Hello, and welcome to the second chapter. I'm your host, Kristen Duffy, and I'm here to remind you that it's never too late to start your next chapter and to share stories of interesting and insightful women who may just inspire you in your current chapter. This week is my last official episode before I take a holiday break. I'll be back on the 3rd of January, 2023. Until then, I hope your days are merry and bright. But today, I'm speaking with Allison Miller. Allison slipped out of being an actress and into being a lawyer, and then kind of slipped again into buying a summer camp with her husband in order to spend more time as a family with their four-year-old daughter. What she didn't know is that all of those steps would lead to her current missions, camp, collaboration, creativity, and coaching. I do what I love, and that's a big difference between what I did at the beginning of my career. I was working for a whole bunch of other reasons, and I'm fortunate now to do what I love. Everything all is part of what I do. Like every aspect of what I've done in my career has all brought me to where I am today. Hi, Allison. Thank you for joining me on the second chapter. How are you doing today? I'm awesome, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. We were talking before we started recording about how you're in sleeveless and I'm all bundled up in a scarf, <laughs> but I'm very jealous of your Florida locale. Tell me how it is there. Oh, wow. Well, it is actually beautiful out. It's warm and it's one of the reasons why I love living here. Yeah, it's great weather, at least this time of year, very hot in the summers. And I escape up to Pennsylvania in the summer, so. I get the best of both worlds. Yeah, best of both worlds. Unlike here where we've just, London never gets that extreme. But of course, like I say that as we're now freezing. So (laughs) So yes, I'm very jealous. We get bundled up with air conditioning. It's okay, let's just turn the air conditioning off and just be comfortable. We don't need all that. Exactly. I want to go back in time a little bit with you. And I know that you started life. Well, you didn't start life as a lawyer. You didn't pop out as a lawyer. (laughs) But career-wise, you started out there. How did you end up being a lawyer? Yeah. So it didn't come from left field. Like people, I looked at my yearbook. We just had a reunion and I was looking at my yearbook, like they say your prophecy. And it was like a frustrated actress studying law. And I was like, oh my God, that's true. That's what happened. I wasn't so frustrated as an actress, but I was a theater major in college and I felt like I was wasting my money on getting this theater degree. And also the people who were with me in this program were so talented. So many of them went on to be on Broadway and all these TV shows and stuff like that. And I was like, I just, much sure I have what it takes or just mentally and just talent wise. And so I left the theater program and the only program that would take all these credits was a small program, we call it this Montessori-like college experience where they'll take life experience and credits from here and credits from there. And then you can like graduate with all of this. I went to NYU and so it's called Gallatin. So I'm now I'm in Gallatin and I'm signing up for courses that are just are interesting to me because that's Montessori, right? I went to Montessori school and that sounds like dream college to me or dream university. College should just be like that for everyone. This is an amazing experience. And so I was taking these classes, political science courses, and everybody was applying for law school in these classes. And I'd be like looking over their shoulders, they're filling out apps. I'm like, I could do that. These guys can go to law school. I can do it. And I think I just became competitive. And I was like, let me see if I can get in. And I did. I got into quite a few schools and I decided, well, I got in, let me go. And so I went and I ended up just being really great in law school. I absolutely loved it. Got picked to be um, a fellow in a specific program where we interned for a full semester for a federal magistrate or judge. 
And I was selected to do that. I was on the mock trial team and like all of this stuff, I guess it was just kept surprising myself. And there I was like more and more opportunity. And then I got a job at this huge law firm in the country. It's like one of the top firms. And I was like, wow, all right, I'm just going to keep going on this track. And so I call it slipped into it more because I took just kept taking on all the challenges that came along with it and actually graduated with honors. It was all the time I was like, all right, let's just keep going with this. I guess it's working for me. You want to? So that's kind of what happened with law school. Um, I kept slipping and becoming a lawyer. People that are listening may don't know that you're blonde, but the whole time you're telling the story, I'm thinking of legally blonde. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> she yeah. was like, everyone thinks I'm blonde and I can't do it and I'm going to do it. And I don't think that was yeah. quite your experience, but it is it's yeah. interesting that it wasn't really your intention. And there you were doing such a good job at it. Yeah. And I think that like I had thought in my life about law, I did some stuff in high school that was related and I did litigation. So being an actress and being able to be comfortable in front of people or the courtroom and stuff like that, it all went together. I was pretty good at arguing too as a kid. Nothing was a deep surprise or a big surprise, but it's, it surprised me how successful I became at it. And that was really cool. I think I underestimated my abilities. And I think that's, that's my lesson there it was like, why were you underestimating yourself. Like, of course you could do all that. I love that. I love that you discovered it early too, because I feel like so many people I talk to for the longest time continue to underestimate their abilities. And it takes being 35, 40, 50, 60 to go, oh, I've always wanted to do this. Like, why wouldn't I? That like, I don't give a shit anymore kind of moment. Totally. I'm all about, I think I can do anything. And I just think there's so many things to do. And I'm like, how do I choose what to do? It's more of my issue. I feel you because every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, you do exactly what I want to do. And every time it's something completely different. As an actor myself, I feel like one of the reasons that I want to act is because I want to try so many different things and there's just not enough time in life to do it all. So I completely get what you're saying. It's also like the whole Montessori theme we're talking about. It's, there's something over there and then you start learning about it and, oh, wow, wait, I want to do that. And that's really interesting too. And trying to find ways to put it all together and also not drive yourself crazy, but too much is probably the biggest challenge that I have actually. <laughs> yes, I think we're a lot alike in that way. <laughs> so it sounds like you loved law. You were really good at it. So your change wasn't something that you were like, I was a frustrated lawyer. I had to have something else, but you ended up buying a summer camp. Yeah. So it's interesting. Again, I feel like a little bit of slipped into these things in my life. I'm not sure how I definitely made decisions along the way, but they came up at interesting times. So I was actually getting really burnt out being a lawyer and trying to have a family at the same time. And so I took a leave of absence from my law firm. And the day before I was supposed to go back to work, I got a call from one of our clients and they said, I hear you're on a leave of absence. Would you be interested in coming and helping out for a few months? Some, they had a need there. And I was like, sure. It was crazy. It was literally going back to work the next day in tears. Oh my gosh, oh, I've got to go back and ramp up to do this again. And I ended up taking a job at that company. And I was an in-house lawyer. And then I became the head of human resources there. And so I totally took on a completely different role. I had the employment law that I learned. And there I was like managing human resources, training people, hiring staff, like nothing that I knew how to do. And I absolutely loved it. And I never had a bad day there except one. 
And the one bad day, that day I was working on some training with some of the key employees in the company and it just didn't go well. There wasn't, they weren't very receptive and it was just a whole sort of thing. And I left just not in a good mood, not, oh my gosh, I'm quitting my job, but just like it wasn't a good day. It felt pretty icky and got into the car with my husband that day. And now I have my daughter who's four years old at this point. And we are driving up to see his summer camp like we did every single summer. The the summer camp where he went to summer camp? Where he went to camp, okay? And we go visit every summer. I was not a camper. I was actually a terrible camper. I was homesick and our camp was just not for me. But my husband was a quintessential camper. He was a staff member, a counselor and everything. So we would drive up to his camp. And I will disclose that he did get me to work as a counselor at a camp near Biden's camp one summer while we were in college. So I had been back to camp since I had been a kid. And there we were going up. And every year he'd say, I want to buy a summer camp. And I'd be like, you're crazy. Like, people don't do that. Like, I'm not buying a summer camp. And by the way, I never loved summer camp as a kid. It was really hard for me. But this one day, I was looking at my daughter, who was four years old, who I had spent very little time with. She was going to preschool when she was two, and I had a lot of babysitters and coming home at night after my husband put her to bed. And I said, I want to be with my family. And so I made a choice to make a change based on my feeling that I was losing out on my family Mm -hmm. and my career was winning. And so could I do something with my husband? And we had worked together once before in college on this little business we had. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. And you're the people person and I'll be the back of the house. And we came up with this whole thing. And within three months, we owned a summer camp. And so that was my big change. So it wasn't um, it wasn't the summer camp that he grew up in. It was. No. You, so you found one. Is it? where you ended up buying one? Was it local to where you were or did you completely change as well, moving someplace else? And Well, we were able to live where we lived in the winter. And so that didn't change. We're now in Florida, but we were able to stay where we were up north at the time. And our camp is in Pennsylvania, but in general, quite similar like population and things like that. You did it to be with your daughter. And I know you told me before that you told this story at your daughter's wedding, which I love. Was there more to the story? So now I work with my daughter and her husband, so my son-in-law, and they both work with us. And so there's a lot more to it now because not only did I choose like family or for me to make my career and build her life around our family, here we are the next generation and I'm working with her and her husband. And so there's just that opportunity to have that relationship with my daughter and son-in-law is pretty incredible. So I decided to tell the story at the wedding because everybody asked me, like, how do you end up with a summer game? That is the, like a mass at every party, every this and that. And I was like, there's a lot of people in this wedding. If people ask me this all weekend, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be the thought we've been talking about. I would rather talk about her. So I decided to make that part of her speech, but her speech was really about how she manifested her husband coming into her life as somebody who loved, had shared the same passion as her. And now they both came from the camping world and it was about dreaming and, you know, obtaining senior dreams. But for me, it it was a different story. But my husband manifested his dream by buying the summer camp. She grew up knowing everything she always wanted to do. 
right? Because she wanted to run the camp. And I grew up not knowing. And here I was having this different life path that took me there. And I know it wasn't always your life dream or path and it was your husband's, but it seems like it's become such a mission in so many ways for you. Have you continued to work behind the scenes with him being a social person or has that changed over the years? I think we're pretty much equal in what we do in terms of the day-to-day. But what's changed for me is that I have, I've developed other passions within the world of summer camp. And so this is another chapter that I'm on. I've gone from that day-to-day, which we do what we do, and we pretty much continue to do it the way we set it up 25 years ago. But what's changed is he went to South Africa to work at a camp with from Soweto. And this is more of an educational program where they teach life skills. Mm-hmm. And he was a regular camp counselor there, and my daughter went with him. And this was five years ago. And when he came back, his life has changed. Like kids' lives were changed and his life was changed. And he could not stop talking about Camp Cizanani. Like He could not stop talking. He actually now is on the board of directors and he's very involved in those programs. And I was reading Think and Grow Rich and The Power of the Subconscious Mind, which are two books, which if you read together, are going to create something because they're just an incredible wealth of inspiration and information. And I woke up with that light bulb idea. And it was to bring summer camp to every kid in the world. And like, why are we limiting this to just the kids that can go to my camp? There has to be a way to reach kids that can't afford it, that are geographically unable to go to camp, who are maybe they have illnesses, but that prevent them from going. I want to bring the joy of summer camp to them. And that was like that light bulb moment. And that's when Happy Camper Live was born. And Happy Camper Live is my baby. So that was my husband's dream and became mine too. And, but my baby, my, I actually had a son after I had my daughter. So I said my third baby was born. <laughs> Happy Camper Live. And we also have a nonprofit, the Happy Camper Project. And something that I balance between the live experience that I provide to small amount to kids and this mission to provide the camp experience or the joy of camp to everybody else in the world. You said that you weren't a very good camper. And I have to say, I was one of those kids that maybe didn't have the joy of camp because I was the oldest of six kids. Camp mm-hmm. was expensive. We, My school kind of did a thing where we'd go like midweek and spend a day or spend a couple of days. And I did day camp when I was a kid. But I loved it. I'm, I think partially the things we were talking about before, like how many different things can I try? Like my day camp was, I think I got to do art in the morning and then nature and physical activity in the afternoon because it was like art was my major and those two were the minors, if you will. But hearing about this as an adult, I'm just like, this sounds so amazing to me. And I've been on your site and just everything on the site I want to do. <laughs> I'm just going to read off a couple of the things that, because it's so diverse, things you can do actually on Happy Camper Live. Arts and crafts camp, cooking camp, magic, ukulele, singing. There's all kinds of like STEM things, science camp, robotics. This is incredible to me. Happy, do you have, I'm sorry, I'm going on. I'm really excited. (laughs) Is it just every kid or do you have a lot of adults that are coming on and going, yeah, I want to learn this as well? 
a lot of times the parents want to do it with their kids. And okay. that's really nice because I think that when we created all of this content, there's a lot of aspects to the site, but the main excitement of camp is just like you described. And Kristen goes right back to that Montessori thing. We like to expose kids to camp to all of the different activities to help them find their passion. You don't, you may not know you love to act unless you have the opportunity to do it. It might seem right. really scary or I don't want to really get up on stage. And then somebody says, you need to be in the show because whatever, and then you're in it. Then, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Or you learn a magic trick and oh my gosh, I want to learn a million more. But you don't know from the outside. You only know by jumping in. So the idea was to provide all the activities that we have in our live camp, get these great counselors and coaches and professionals to teach them to, to everybody in the world. And so we would really curate the content and make sure we have sports and art and music and STEM and just all the miscellaneous other fun things and created that over the course of three years. So really highly produced professional content. Um, I actually... My husband's camp counselor, Steve Slavkin, wrote and produced a TV show called Salute Your Shorts, which was a huge Nickelodeon hit. And so Steve and I were together on the site and the content at the very, from the very beginning. And he actually created a web series that's on the site. And it's really awesome because it shows kids that can't go to camp, at least it gets them that camp feeling of what mm -hmm. it's like to go to camp. So we thought that was important to have on the site as well. So we have these activities, like such a variety, and then that experience, and then also the aspect of camp where parents, like, what can you get from this that you can do at home with your kids? So there's a lot of like logs and downloadables and things so that parents or babysitters have all these resources too. So we do really encourage, like you were asking about parents, we want parents to get involved and we don't want to just have kids online watching someone learn to do a magic trick and not actually like doing it. And that's the whole point. So as far as the social element, though, because I think part of camp for some kids is definitely like meeting friends and all that kind of thing. Is that something that you address through Happy Camper Live as well? So... We encourage kids to go to camp. So we're not trying to replace real camp. In fact, we have a camp listing of about 10,000 camps in the country. And so we want parents to find camps that the kids can go to. As a result of COVID, we went live in January before COVID hit and became extremely relevant quickly after COVID because, yeah. And people were like, wow, this is freaky. Like, you, how did you foresee the need for all of this stuff? Because Everything was done. We were live and we had tons of content and all these camps were closing down, not opening for the summer. And so we actually built a portal on the back end of our site where camps were running their own camps and utilizing all of this content and our resources. So one of the things I did decide at the beginning was I personally was not interested in putting all these kids together that didn't know each other in this random way. It's just not what I wanted. Maybe that's the lawyer hat. It may just didn't want all that. But we are COPA certified, which is really important. Means we don't collect data or anything about the kids. So we were hosting um, for other camps these camp experiences of their enrolled populations. But one of the things that happened was that I started connecting with people who work with kids in the foster care system, and a lot of like seventy-two hour period, a lot of different parts came together for all this. 
But now we host hangouts for kids in foster care. We were doing it on a weekly basis. We're doing it on a monthly basis. And we're expanding to different time zones and things like that right now. So I am running programs, but for very specific populations. I've done programs for guard kids in the National Guard. If it's a particular group, I'll host for the group, but I'm not making up my own um, virtual experiences right now where I'm putting all those kids together. So I will run things for people, although we do have plans for our own Happy Camper Live like experiences outside, like live ones. We get alive, but not these random jobs, so to speak. And you mentioned working with foster kids and the Happy Camper Project. So I know that your passion is not just, oh, you can afford to come on and do all these things. It's to really make sure that this is a worldwide, anyone could do it. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah. So what I realized was that as soon as, as soon as COVID really hit, like quickly, camps that served kids with health issues were absolutely not going to open. And they were seeking support and were very interested in all of the content and the other, and not just the content, but everything that we had. And, and I was just being generous. And honestly, anybody who asked me for access was getting access because I just wanted to provide that for everybody. And I thought, wow, this is what I really want to do. And even though we have this for-profit side, my passion really ties to a mission that has a nonprofit side. So last March, I set up this nonprofit. We were approved the Happy Camper Project. And we decided that, yes, they can have access to our programs, but also there are programs like that are awesome where you can send a kid to camp and you can pay a scholarship for a camper to go. And I thought, well, how can I can reach more kids if I can support a camp specific funds that they need? So let's say, and we were seeing a lot of this, like their buses were cut. The, they used to get busing from the city and now that was cut and now they can't get the kids to camp. Or that right. at the time they needed COVID tests last summer, or they, the kids, they needed linens for the kids, or they needed art supplies. And I was like, there really isn't anybody in the world that I'm in summer camp, any organization that kind of supports, cam- that supports camps that way. And so that's where I saw a need. And that's why I created the Happy Camper Project. So I felt like if I can support the programs, then more kids can be supported through that. And a lot of these programs have waiting lists and things like that. So for instance, with the foster, the kids in the foster care system, there's waiting lists. So they can only have, say, 200 kids go to their camp. But with something like the Happy Camper Hangouts, we can bring more and more kids on into the camp world, even if they can't get to the live camp. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. And so we have become an extension. And that's the way the Happy Camper Project has developed. It's so amazing because I do feel like what you said is so true that if you don't get exposure to something, you don't know that's something that's a skill or a passion that you have. And even with the most money in the world, the best intention of your parents, that kind of thing, you can't experience everything, obviously. But especially if funds are an issue or if you just don't know. I look at your list and it's so extensive. And I imagine, especially in a situation where kids might not have access to all of these things as a rule, that this really is 
expanding the world of so many kids and the ideas of what is possible. Absolutely. And what's fun when we work with the kids in the foster care system is that we bring in a guest instructor each week. And sometimes if that doesn't line up and something falls apart for some crazy reason, as we know, somebody just gets sick and they can't come, we use the Happy Camp Live content as a backup or, or to supplement. So we had a ma- magician that didn't go so well the other day. And so we went online and I got all of the Happy Camper live magic tricks. So I keep picking up my pen here, which people can't see in this, but we all learn to do all these tricks. And, and there we are with the kids. And it's so much fun to, to just see them. Here's something. And it was right before Thanksgiving. So we were like, okay, do this at the Thanksgiving table. And I taught them the salt shaker ch- trip. But I could teach it to them. Now, they could learn it themselves, but it, but in this group setting, we were all doing it together and who wants to show? And there they are walking away with the possibility of, oh, I can do magic. And so even bringing these guests in, I, we had, we brought in a, um, oh, a teacher, an instructor about a month ago, or maybe it's two months ago, who taught songwriting. And as a group, we all wrote a song. And it was so fun and amazing. And it was all led by this seven-year-old boy who is like really getting into it. And he's, and what about these lyrics? And so when I do everything that I do at Happy Camper Live, whether I'm creating content or running the program, I'm like, did I learn something here? And if I learn something, then I know like the kids can learn. So I just, I'm this quintessential learner type person isn't the way I look at myself. And I'm like, Oh, wow. I learned how to write a song today. Well, if I'm excited at my age, which I'm not going to say how old I am. So can you imagine, you know, that seven, eight year old going, I can write a song. And we work with DFX Icon, which was this big Dallas songwriting competition. And they were entering the competition and these kids were writing songs for it and they were singing songs. It's what it's about. Like just keep exposing them to good things, right? <laughs> and not just even learning about writing a song, but learning the confidence that goes behind that because I think, I don't know what age it happens. We say with like art, it's when somebody tells you you have to stay in the lines that your creativity starts being squashed. Mm-hmm. But there is this moment in time, somebody told you you could do a good job or a friend made fun of you, whatever it is, there's definitely a certain age that kids lose confidence for some reason. And the fact that they can come learn these things and then feel whether they become songwriters or not, that's such a huge boost to their confidence. Absolutely. And I was the type of kid when I was little, my mom signed me up for everything. So I learned to paint and then I would go to skate and then I'd tumble in gymnastics. And I was a very fortunate kid to have a lot of YMC and other types of programs around. There were tons of different things. And I really believe in that exposure and being able to focus in. And I started focusing in on the theater. I saw this with my son. So my son's a classical musician and all through growing up, it was, and I didn't drive him everywhere, but it was chess and it was, I didn't let him on computer games because I'm just not a fan of that. So it was chess and then it was art. He loved, he had a sketchbook and then he took hip hop and he was in a show and he, and then he was playing, he wasn't really into sports, but he was doing the soccer. And then it started with the, percussion and he really fell in love with it. And then we just kept going. And it's, I don't think every kid needs that hundred percent. Like you have to be in that like world forever where he loves classical music. Now he's on the computers. Funny enough, he's doing computer science with it. 
and he's he's figuring it out. But when you have that passion and you have there is a spark and it does drive kids. So I think it gives kids some discipline and focus. So that's what I'm hoping because, you know, playing computer games is, yeah, people, kids are, I know e-games are a big thing, but, and I guess it can be a passion. So I don't want to take away from that. But when you, when a kid has a passion, like art, music, dance, science, whatever it is, it's, it really feels a different part of them. And I think mm-hmm. it's just really critical, especially these days to their like full development. Especially because schools, the first thing that gets cut is anything creative. Right. Or sports programs usually seem to stick around, but it does seem like anything extracurricular becomes, it's just not important. And how many of us, even you becoming a lawyer, definitely you said part of what you were good at was because you were in theater first. Right. And I think there's so many kids that the only reason they want to go to school is because they can do these kind of things. And with less and less of that, I just think what you're doing is what every kid does really need, the opportunity to try things and have fun. And like you said, it builds discipline by accident. Yeah. And the idea of camp, that's what we do. It's the summer break and we bring camp to kids during the summer. But the whole concept with Happy Camper Live was why can't we have this magic in our lives every single day? And let's just sprinkle in this camp feeling. And and I just being the programming person and the experienced person in the camp, that's where I took it from. And I was like, I may not be putting you all in a room and teaching the social skills of how to get along in a cabin, but I am going to bring this other part to your lives, which is to help you fill yourselves with joy by finding something that you're passionate about or love. So what's your favorite camp that's on the cooking camp, art camp, (laughs) painting camp? I love the magic camp because you do it with a pen. It is. I keep doing the pen trick. Well, actually, what's really funny. So I'm on a set, so to speak, of all of the things that I shoot. And some of them I shoot myself. I've become, as an entrepreneur, you can, I feel like I can do anything. And so when I, whenever I do something, I do it along with the instructor. So with the hip hop, with Larry, I was dancing and not getting up right now, but I have some really, and I'm not a dancer. My daughter's actually a really good dancer and I can glide. And I can do this and I can do that. So that was super fun to, to get in there and do all that. I wasn't doing all the moves on the floor, but definitely learned a lot from the hip hop and even like how to hold a lacrosse stick. We assume that the kids don't have all the materials. So even a kid will teach you if you don't have a tennis racket, we're going to tell you to hold your hand a certain way or pick up a frying pan, don't hit your brother kind of thing. But some, <laughs> some way to guide them through the experience so that they can feel what it feel what it's like. And I am not the sporty person. So being able to watch those instruct the instruction on even hockey, I learned so much about like goalies. Like I didn't know that's how you do that. I just feel like I've learned a lot that I would say magic, definitely my favorite. <laughs> it's interesting you say that about materials and stuff too, because I did think about that. Like it's all well and good to be able to get on the site, but if you can't, if you don't have the materials, because I know I bought something from my mom once as a gift that was a crafty kind of site because she was drawing a lot. And she was like, yeah, these look great, but I don't have this huge range of paints or fabric, whatever it was she needed. And then obviously that's multiplied many times if you're trying to bring it to kids that obviously aren't financially so well off. So it's great to hear that there are alternatives as well, because again, it's about learning and confidence and all the rest is not just 
that you actually come out an amazing tennis player. Right. It really, and we don't go to deep levels. So we go to the level of getting kids to engage and become interested. Yeah. So if you're going to be like an expert soccer kid, you're <laughs> probably not going to go to the World Cup because you've been on Happy Camp Alive. But you will, if you've never done soccer and you've been that kid who's I'm a little nervous, but if you could try that in your home and learn from somebody who's a great teacher, you're going to have some experience that might boost your confidence and say to your parents, hey, I want to try that. There's a lot of stuff for singing on there too. She's really great, Melissa. Um, I looked at this. <laughs> yeah, she's really awesome. And the level of the coaches, the instructors and the counselors is really high. So that's where I feel like a kid could get that experience. It's all oh, your camp counselors coming to yep. your living room. And there aren't a bunch of kids like watching you throw. You're, you're practicing and you can do those things. Because sometimes that's what gets in a lot of kids' heads is, you know, oh, I'm not as good as that person. Building that confidence, I think, is nice to be able to do in a safe environment at home. Absolutely. It's interesting because you definitely have had lots of changes. But like you said, you didn't make all these decisions. And then suddenly when you saw it, like the mission... <laughs> It became, or correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like it became like this pivoting point. Yes. Well, so now I call myself, I'm on chapter 33. So I love that okay. you're a podcast, right? And, and that doesn't mean I'm that old. It's just that there are just a lot of chapters, right? So I decided to give this chapter a name and instead I gave it a number. And I gave it a number because my lucky number is 33. I decided this is going to be the best chapter of all. And so I still look at what I'm creating in my life. And so right now I just finished a coaching program and I'm going to start working with people in different ways. I do a lot of work with kids. I do a lot of work with college students. And I just decided that was something that I wanted to add to my life. So I am starting coaching, I guess, a coaching side to what I'm doing. And I don't know how it all goes together. I really don't know. And I don't think it has to all go together. It just has to all work for me, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing is because I feel like I was on this mission to how do I get all the things I like to do and all the things that I'm making my careers out of careers, plural, into one thing. And I realized, you know what, if it all exists within me, then it doesn't have to all sit in the same business. Well, I might not have the same clients or the same creatives I'm working with. It just has to be part of me. And right. we're all unique. And if that's an element of you, then it absolutely fits in, whether it's under a happy camper logo or not. One of the things I realized at one point in my, quote, career, and maybe it was as a lawyer, is that nobody really cares what you do. Like, they may ask you what you do, but nobody cares what you do. Only you truly impacts you. And yeah. so being a lawyer sounds super prestigious at this great firm or working for the company I work for is an amazing company. At the end of the day, it's my day. It's my life. It's my family, its impact is on me and the people, obviously, that I care about. And so I had to step back. And I realized this in a really weird way, Houston, because we would go to these parties. I don't know. Let's just quintessential cocktail party, just say. Yes. And they'd ask my husband what he does. They wouldn't ask me what I did. And oh. I thought it was really weird and offensive. And I was like, wow, like people 
aren't even asking me what I'm doing. So that was like the first, not that it doesn't matter, but it just made me start thinking about you've got to do things for you because the rest of the world really doesn't care. So I was caught up a little bit in, I'm a lawyer. I should, I got this great job. I should be doing this and then I should be doing that. And then I was like, why? No, if what's important to me is my family, that's the important to me. It doesn't matter what I do. It just matters what I do to me. Somebody said in a slightly different way, but somebody else said to me that usually when people ask what you do, well, first of all, I think it's just a small talk question that people can't, right. you know, people can't think what to say. That's what they say. But what somebody said to me was that they want to know how much money you make to find out whether you are somebody that's going to, or if you're someone who can somehow propel them forward or something, which sounds very negative. But at the same time, in a way it is, oh, do I have a connection to you or can you do something for me in a lot of these kind of cocktail party type environments? Right. There is something really freeing and being like, I don't, this is for me, not for you. If somebody asks you what you mm -hmm. do, being able to say with absolute conviction and passion, I'm doing this and maybe that doesn't help you <laughs> or whatever, but I love what I'm doing. Right. Exactly. I was just going to say, I do what I love. And that's a big difference between what I did at the beginning of my career. I did what I did because I was working for a whole bunch of other reasons. And I'm fortunate now to do what I love, but I figured out how to take everything all is part of what I do. Like every aspect of what I've done in my career has all brought me to where I am today. And it all brings different components. Being a lawyer is one of the best things I did. It just changed my whole way of thinking and analyzing and problem solving and being able to create a business and do all of that. It just was a moment for me where I just realized like when you have a prestigious job and then you walk away from it. I remember my parents were like, what are you doing? You're going to run a summer camp. And when I quit my job, they all said they thought I was going to run a bed and breakfast because they never even knew what a summer camp was. And they were like, why? <laughs> Oh, like a bed and breakfast and like absolutely nothing like a bed and breakfast, but okay, bed and breakfast it is for you. If that's what you think, fine. <laughs> yeah. My parents were like, what? I'm like, okay. So you get that and it's that's where I'm going. It's the outward versus the inward. And I feel like at this point in my life, it's really all about how I feel doing what I'm doing and making the most of my talent and trying to give back as much as I can. So people that kind of have the same idea, they want to be doing what they love, but maybe they haven't quite done it yet and they're listening. What would your advice be? Huh. Well, I guess it's really to not worry about how you're going to do it. I think the first thing is to just figure out what it is that you want. And I do believe when I focused on what it was that I wanted, it all figured itself out. I think a lot of people get caught up in how. And I know you do need to get there. Remarkably, the how comes along when it should come along. Yeah. There is an element of trust with change, trusting that you have it in you, trusting that it'll work out, trusting that the how will come along. But I think figuring out the what or the why is, yeah, it's something that I know that I'm constantly doing. What's next? Why do I want to do it? And how will I'll, I'll be fine. How will come along? <laughs> right. Also, I feel like a lot of people just get stuck in, oh, you know, what do I get to do? It's almost like there are too many options. And I've also been told people do better when there are fewer options. So if there's a million options out there in some way, at some point, you've got to narrow it down a little bit. And there used to be like this survey we did in a book called What Color Is My Parachute? And like ways to figure that out. 
And I think it's, it is to like narrow it down a little bit, like, all right, expose yourself to some different, maybe, um, maybe a nonprofit does a little, maybe you want to do marketing, let's say, but you're in a legal career and you're like market, I love marketing. Well, maybe you volunteer and you work on a nonprofit with a little project to see, oh, wow, wait, I really do love it. Because sometimes people don't Mm -hmm. even know what it is. So it's just like learning hip hop or magic. Hey, put yourself in a little group or an experience that exposes you to that, you know, and then see, oh, wow, yeah, that's why I say the how. It'll naturally take off because if you really find, wow, marketing is my thing, I love this, then you're just going to keep getting involved in more and more things and move further away from where you were. Definitely. I still want to have a summer camp, but (laughs) (laughs) amongst too many other things, I need to follow your advice and narrow it down. Did you bring a quote for me today? I did bring a quote. So this is Steve Jobs. And you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and it has made all the difference in my life. There's something that's so not Steve Jobs about that quote. (laughs) I don't know. Like It sounds so ethereal in a way. It was a commencement speech. It was in the context of a commencement speech. So I think maybe putting it more in context of that, at least that's where I got that from. And so I think when you think about that as people are starting their careers and just in the context of what we were just talking about, well, what do I do? How do I start? Where do I go? There's so many things. That's where I think young people these days are like, oh my gosh, there's like, they and there and there isn't one route anymore, right? You can people aren't staying at jobs for ten years and twenty years and whatever, and then you know just going well, well, wait, what's going to happen if I do this and then that? And where does it lead me? And I and so that's why I usually tell my staff during orientation. I usually quote this, and I think it's a, you're a perfect example of that because you certainly wouldn't have looked as an actor or as a lawyer. And gone, oh, well, it makes perfect sense that the dots are going to connect to running a worldwide online summer camp. (laughs) (laughs) But looking back, as you say, all the skills you've picked up along the way connect the dots to exactly where you are now. Yeah, it was funny. I was in this coaching program over the past two weeks and they were talking about exact, it was an executive coaching class and talking about doing coaching for emerging like leaders like the and peak performers. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that this was like a career path that I could have been like doing this. I was in HR and I was I'm like, I'm the perfect person to be doing this. And it's like, there's a 25 year gap between when I was doing the other two things that like aligns with this and then all this camp experience in the middle. And I was just laughing because like it was, it didn't show up then. It didn't show up back then. It's showing up now, obviously, for a reason. So I'm like looking back and I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, of course. Oh, makes sense. (laughs) I love that. I'm going to definitely pull that quote out sometimes when I'm looking to the future and going, huh, (laughs) because things do connect. And I really trust that. Like, I really trust that. And I've also had a golden rule, like through this entrepreneur experience that I'm just like loving, was that anybody that I have been connected with or says, oh, you should meet this person, I just say yes. And so I have this file of these great women I've met along the way, or my new camp friends, I should say. And you get to 
be added to that list, Tristan, for sure. I love you said something in an email about being a camp friend. And I was like, we're now camp friends. (laughs) And just taking every meeting and getting on the call. And yesterday I was on a call with someone and and she started by saying, I'm not sure the reason why we're meeting and it doesn't matter. And I was like, that's exactly, I feel the same exact way. I don't know when I hop on and I meet somebody that someone just says, you've got to meet. Maybe there's some contacts that were connected and it makes sense. Maybe it's just, I think she'd be a great podcast guest or something like that. And there I am. And I'm like, and within two to three days, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why I was connected with that person. And so you got to keep a very open mind and really allow that flow of trusting that it doesn't have to make sense right now and just trust it sometime in the future. And leading people is never a waste of time. It's cool to meet people. It is really cool to meet people. That is definitely the best thing about doing this podcast is that the amazing women I've met that how would I ever have talked to you in Florida for whatever reason, (laughs) being in London? And it's just amazing. And what I love about it is the opportunity to actually dig deep and speak to someone beyond that surface level. So camp friends, we are. Allison, is there anything else you want to talk, tell our listeners? Yeah, I mean, talk. We, so Happy Camper Live, happycamperlive.com. Check us out. And there is a seven-day free subscription. And I'll give you a code, Kristen. So it was here. So if anybody's got kids or grandkids that want to get a three-month subscription, we'll give you a special code for that. Yeah, just love we got to share. And the happycamperproject.org is our nonprofit. Right now we're raising money. We're doing these $25 camp kits. So with $25 donation, we'll send a kit specifically designed for a camp or you can make your own camp kit and we will connect you with a camp in need. So that is what we've been working on since Giving Tuesday. And we're super excited about that. And our podcast is My Camp. And My Camp, we actually have a couple of podcasts in My Camp. Um, you can hear about all kinds of different camps, all different kinds of camps all over the world, not just in the United States. And I also host a podcast called Raising a Happy Camper. And so we talk from a parent's perspective. We really like to give them an understanding of the things that we've learned in summer camp world or things I've learned and how to apply it in your life 365 days a year. So a lot of great content for parents and a lot of great things for kids to do. So check it all out. And I will definitely put all the links in the show notes, including the discount code. Thank you so much for offering that, Allison. And thank you for coming to join me today. Thank you for having me, Kristen. This was so fun. And it was really nice to make a new camp friend. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening. As promised, Allison has given us a code for Happy Camper Alive, three months free. So if you have kids, grandkids, or like me, you just want to try out the site yourself, it's happycamperlive.com. And if you put in second chapter free, all caps, you get three months free. If you enjoyed the episode, tell a friend, follow us on Instagram and sign up for the second chapter newsletter. The second chapter is brought to you by Slackline Productions, a production company dedicated to redressing the balance of women's stories being told and who's telling them with a specific focus on women 35 plus. You can find us at the secondchapterpodcast.com and slacklineproductions.co.uk. Thanks again.